Welcome to this new Uvula Audio Children's presentation of L. Frank Baum's The Twinkle Tales, Volume 5, Twinkle's Enchantment. Chapter 1, Twinkle Enters the Big Gulch. One afternoon, Twinkle decided to go into the Big Gulch and pick some blueberries for Papa's supper. She was wearing her blue gingham dress and her blue sunbonnet and there were stout shoes upon her feet. So she took out her tin pad and started out. Be back in time for supper, called Mama from the kitchen porch. Of course, said Twinkle as she trotted away. I'm not hungry now, but I'll be hungry enough when supper time comes. Of course I'll be back. The side of the gulch was but a little way from the house. It was like a big ditch, only the sides were not too steep to crawl down. In the middle of the gulch were rolling hills and deep gullies, all covered with wild bushes and vines and a few flowering plants, very rare in this part of the country. Twinkle hadn't lived very long in this section of Dakota, for her father had just bought the new farm that lay beside the gulch. So the big ditch was a delight to her, and she loved to wander through it and pick the berries and flowers that never grew on the plains above. Today she crept carefully down the path back of the house, and soon reached the bottom of the gulch. Then she began to search for the berries, but all were gone in the places where she had picked them before, so she found she must go further along. She sat down to rest for a time, and by and by she happened to look up at the other side and saw a big cluster of bushes hanging full of ripe berries, just about halfway up the opposite bank. She had never gone so far before, but if she wanted the berries for Papa's supper, she knew she had to climb up the slope and get them. So she rose to her feet and began to walk in that direction. It was all new to the little girl and seemed to her like a beautiful fairyland. But she had no idea that the gulch was enchanted. Soon a beetle crawled across her path, and as she stopped to let it go by, she heard it say, Look out for the line of enchantment. You'll soon cross it if you don't watch out. What line of enchantment? asked Twinkle. It's almost under your nose, replied the little creature. I don't see anything at all, she said after looking closely. Of course you don't, said the beetle. It isn't a mark, you know, that anyone can see with their eyes. But it's a line of enchantment just the same, and whoever steps over it is sure to see strange things and have strange adventures. Well, I don't mind that, said Twinkle. Well, I don't mind if you don't, returned the beetle. And by that time, he had crept across the path and disappeared underneath a big rock. Twinkle went on without being at all afraid. If the beetle spoke truly, and there really was an invisible line that divided the common real world from an enchanted country, she was very eager to cross it, 
as any little girl might well be. And then it occurred to her that she must have crossed the enchanted line before she met the beetle, for otherwise she wouldn't have understood his language or known what he was talking about. Children don't talk with beetles in the real world, as Twinkle knew very well. And she was walking along soberly, thinking this over, when suddenly a voice cried out to her, Hey, watch out! Chapter 2 The Rolling Stone Of course, Twinkle stopped then and looked around to see who had spoken, but no one was anywhere in sight. So she started on again. Look out, or you'll step on me! cried the voice a second time. She looked at it very carefully. There was nothing near them but a big round stone that was about the size of her head, and a prickly thistle that she would never step on if she could possibly help it. Who's talking? she asked. Why, well, I'm talking, answered the voice. Who do you suppose it is? I don't know, said Twinkle. I just can't see anybody at all. Then you must be blind, said the voice. I'm the Rolling Stone, and I'm about two inches from your left toes. The Rolling Stone? That's it, that's me. I'm the Rolling Stone that gathers no moss. You can't be, said Twinkle, sitting down in the path and looking very carefully at the stone. Why not? Because you don't roll, she said. You're a stone, of course. I could see that all right, but you're not rolling. How silly, replied the stone. I don't have to roll every minute to be a rolling stone, now do I? Of course you do, answered Twinkle. If you don't roll, you're just a common still stone. Well, declared the stone, you don't seem to understand anything. You're a talking girl, aren't you? To be sure I am, said Twinkle. But you don't talk every minute, now do you? Mama says I do, she answered. But you don't. You're sometimes quiet, aren't you? Of course I am. Well, that's the way with me. Sometimes I roll, so I'm called the Rolling Stone. Sometimes you talk, so you're the talking girl. No, I'm Twinkle, she said. That doesn't sound like a name, replied the stone. It's what Papa calls me anyway, explained the girl. Then thinking she had lingered long enough, she added, I'm going up the hill to pick those berries. Since you can roll, suppose you go with me. What, up the hill? exclaimed the stone. Why not? asked Twinkle. Who ever heard of a stone rolling up a hill? It's unnatural. Any stone can roll down a hill, said the child. If you can't roll up a hill, you're no better than a common cobblestone. Oh, I can roll up a hill if I want to, declared the stone peevishly. But it's hard work. and nearly breaks my back. I can't see that you have any back, said Twinkle. Well, I'm all back, replied the stone. When your back aches, it's only part of you. When my back aches, it's all of me except the middle. Well, the middle ache is the worst of all, said Twinkle solemnly. Well, if you don't want to go, she added jumping up, I'll just say goodbye. Well, anything to be sociable, said the stone, sighing deeply. I'll go along and keep you company, but it's a lot easier to roll down than it is to roll up, I assure you. Why, you're just a regular grumbler, aren't you? exclaimed Twinkle. It's because I lead a hard life, returned the stone dismally. But don't let us quarrel. So seldom I get a chance to talk with anyone of my own social standing. You don't have any standing without feet, declared Twinkle, shaking her head at the stone. 
One can have understanding, at least, was the answer. And understanding is the best standing any person can have. Perhaps that's true, said the child thoughtfully. But I'm glad I have legs, just the same. Chapter 3. Some Queer Acquaintances Wait a minute, implored a small voice, and the girl noticed a yellow butterfly that had just settled down upon the stone. Aren't you the child from the farm? To be sure, she answered, much amused to hear the butterfly speak. Then can you tell me if your mother expects to churn today? said the pretty creature, slowly folding and unfolding its dainty wings. Why do you want to know? If she churns butter today, I'll fly over to the house and try to steal some butter. But if your mother isn't going to churn, I'll fly down into the gulch and rob a bee's nest I know of. Why do you rob and steal? inquired Twinkle. It's the only way I can get my living, said the butterfly. Nobody ever gives me anything, so I have to take what I want. Do you like butter? Of course I do. That's why we're called butterflies, you know. I prefer butter to anything else. And I've heard that in some countries, the children always leave a little dish of butter on the windowsill so that we may help ourselves whenever we're hungry. I wish I'd been born in such a country. Mother won't churn till Saturday, said Twinkle. I know, because I have to help her. I just hate butter making. Then I won't go to the farm today, replied the butterfly. Goodbye, little girl. If you think of it, leave a dish of butter around where I can get at it. All right, said Twinkle, and the butterfly waved its wings and fluttered through the air and into the gulch below. Then the girl started up the hill, and the stone rolled slowly beside her, groaning and grumbling because the ground was so rough. Presently, she noticed, running across the path, a tiny book, not much bigger than a postage stamp. It had two slender legs like those of a bumblebee, and upon these it ran so fast that all the leaves fluttered wildly and the covers were left half open. What was that? asked Twinkle, looking after the book in surprise. That is a little learning, answered the stone. Look out for it, for they say it's a dangerous thing. It's gone already, said Twinkle. Let it go. Nobody wants it that I know of. Just help me over this bump now, will ya? So she rolled the stone over the little hillock, and just as she did so, her curiosity was attracted by a curious noise that sounded like pop, 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 pop. What was that? she inquired, hesitating to advance. Only a weasel, answered the stone. Stand still a minute and you'll see him. Whenever he thinks he's alone and there's no one to hear, pop goes the weasel. Sure enough, the little animals soon crossed their path, making a funny noise at every step. But as soon as he saw that Twinkle was staring at him, he stopped popping and rushed into a bunch of tall grass and hid himself. And now they were almost to the berry bushes, and Twinkle trotted so fast that the rolling stone had to work hard to keep up with her. But when she got to the bushes, she found a flock of strange birds sitting upon them and eating up the berries as fast as they could. 
The birds were not much bigger than robins, and were covered with a soft velvety skin instead of feathers. And they had merry black eyes and long slender beaks curving downward from their noses, which gave their faces a saucy expression. The lack of the usual feathers might not have surprised Twinkle so much had she not noticed upon the tail of each bird one single solitary feather of great length, which was certainly a remarkable thing. I know what they are, she said, nodding her head wisely. They're birds of a feather. At this, the birds burst into a chorus of laughter, and one of them said, Perhaps you think that is why we flock together. Well, isn't that the reason? she asked. Not a bit of it, declared the bird. The reason we flock together is because we are too proud to mix with common bears who have feathers all over them. I should think you'd be ashamed, because you're so naked, she returned. The fact is, Twinkle, said another bird as he pecked at a blueberry and swallowed it, the common things in this world don't amount to much. There are millions of bears on earth, but only a few of us that have but one feather. In my opinion, if you had but one hair upon your head, you'd be much prettier. I'd be more extraordinary, I'm sure, said Twinkle, using the largest word she could think of. There's no accounting for taste, no is there, remarked the rolling stone, which had just arrived at Twinkle's side after a hard roll up the path. For my part, I don't have either hair or feathers, and I'm quite glad of it. The birds laughed again at this, and after they had eaten all the berries they cared for, they now flew into the air and disappeared. Chapter 4 The Dancing Bear Really? said Twinkle, as she began picking the berries and putting them into her pail. I didn't know so many things could talk. It's because you're in the part of the gulch that's enchanted, answered the rolling stone. When you get home again, you'll think it was all a dream. I wonder if it isn't, she suddenly cried, stopping to look around, and then feeling of herself carefully. It's usually the way in all the fairy stories that Papa reads to me. I don't remember going to sleep any time, but perhaps I did after all. Don't let it worry you, said the stone, making a queer noise that Twinkle thought was meant for a laugh. If you wake up, you'll be sorry you didn't dream longer. And if you find you haven't been asleep, this will have been a wonderful adventure. That's true enough, the girl answered, and again began filling her pail with berries. When I tell Mama all this, she won't believe a word of it. And Papa will laugh and pinch my cheek and say I'm like Alice in Wonderland or Dorothy in the Land of Oz. Just then she noticed something big and black coming around the bushes from the other side, and her heart beat a good deal faster when she saw before her a great bear standing upon his rear legs beside her. He had a little red cap on his head that was kept in place by a band of rubber elastic. His eyes were small but round and sparkling, and there seemed to be a smile upon his face where his white teeth showed in two long rows. "'Don't be afraid,' called out the rolling stone. "'It's only the dancing bear.' "'Why should the child be afraid?' asked the bear, speaking in a low, soft tone that reminded her of the purring of a kitten. No one ever heard of a dancing bear hurting anybody. We're about the most harmless things in the world. Are you really a dancing bear? asked Twinkle curiously. I am, my dear, he replied, 
bowing low and then folding his arms proudly as he leaned against a big rock that was nearby. I wish there was someone here who could tell you what a fine dancer I am. It wouldn't be modest for me to praise myself, you know. I suppose it wouldn't be, said Twinkle. But if you're a dancing bear, why aren't you dancing? There it is again, cried the Rolling Stone. This girl Twinkle wants to keep everybody moving. She wouldn't believe at first I was a Rolling Stone, because I was lying quiet just then. And now she won't believe you're a dancing bear, because you don't eternally keep on dancing. Well, there is some sense in that after all, declared the bear. I'm only a dancing bear while I'm dancing, to speak the exact truth. And you're only a rolling stone when you're rolling. I beg to disagree with you, returned the stone in a cold voice. Well, don't let us quarrel on any account, said the bear. I invite you both to come to my cave and see me dance. Then Twinkle will be sure I'm a dancing bear. I haven't filled my pail with berries yet, said the little girl. And I've got to get enough berries for Papa's supper. I'll help you, replied the bear politely. And at once he began to pick berries and to put them into Twinkle's pail. His big paws looked very clumsy and awkward, but it was astonishing how many berries the bear could pick with them. Twinkle had to work hard to keep up with him, and almost before she realized how fast they had worked, the little pail was full and overflowing with fine, plump berries. And now, said the bear, I will show you the way to my cave. He took her hand in his soft paw and began leading her along the side of the steep hill, while the stone rolled busily beside them. But they had not gone far before Twinkle's foot slipped, and in trying to save herself from falling, she pushed hard against the stone, and it tumbled from the pathway. Now you've gone and done it, growled the stone excitedly as it whirled around. Here I go, for I've lost my balance. I can't help myself. Even as he spoke, the big round stone was flying down the side of the gulch, bumping against the hillocks and bits of rock, sometimes leaping into the air, and then clinging close to the ground, but going faster and faster every minute. Oh, dear me, said Twinkle, looking after it. I'm afraid the rolling stone is going to get hurt. No danger of that, replied the bear. It's as hard as a rock, and not a thing in the gulch could hurt it a bit. But our friend would have to roll a long time to get back here again, and we can't wait. Come along, my dear. He held out his paw again, and Twinkle took it in one of her hands while she carried the pail with the other and so managed to get over the rough ground very easily. Chapter 5 The Cave of the Waterfall Before long they came to the entrance to the cave, and as it looked dark and gloomy from without, Twinkle drew back and said she guessed she would not go in. But it's quite light inside, said the bear, and there's a pretty waterfall there too. Don't be afraid, Twinkle. I'll take good care of you. So the girl plucked up her courage and permitted him to lead her into the cave, and then she was glad she had come instead of being a fraidy cat, for the place was big and roomy, and there were many cracks in the roof that emitted plenty of light and air. Around the side walls were several pairs of big ears, which seemed to have been carved out of the rock, and these astonished the little girl. What are those ears for? she asked. 
Don't the walls have ears where you live? Returned the bear as if surprised. I've heard they do, she answered, but I've never seen any before. At the back of the cave was a little tinkling waterfall that splashed into a pool beneath with a sound that was very like music. Near this was a square slab of rock, a little raised above the level of the floor. Kindly take a seat, my dear, said the bear, and I'll try to amuse you, and at the same time prove I can dance. So to the music of the waterfall the bear began dancing. He climbed upon the flat stone and made a graceful bow to Twinkle, and then balanced himself first upon one foot and then upon the other, and swung slowly around in a circle, and then back again. How do you like it? he asked. I don't much care for it, said Twinkle. I believe I could do better myself. But you're not a bear, he answered. Girls ought to be able to dance better than bears, you know, but not every bear can dance. If I had a hand organ to make music instead of this waterfall, I could do better. Then I wish you had one, said Twinkle. The bear began dancing again, and this time he moved more rapidly and shuffled his feet in quite a funny manner. He almost fell off the slab once or twice, so anxious was he to prove he could dance, and once he tripped over his own foot, which made Twinkle laugh. Just as he was finishing his dance, a strange voice cried out, This is for you, bear! And a green monkey leapt into the cave and threw a big rock at the performer. It knocked the bear off the slab, and he fell into the pool of water at the foot of the waterfall, and was dripping wet when he scrambled out again. The dancing bear gave a big growl and ran as fast as he could after the monkey, finally chasing him out of the cave. Twinkle picked up her pail of berries and followed, and when she got into the sunshine again at the side of the hill, she saw the monkey and the bear hugging each other tightly, and growling and chattering in a way that showed they were angry with each other and not on pleasant terms. "'You will throw rocks at me, will you?' shouted the bear. "'I will if I get the chance,' replied the monkey. "'Wasn't that a fine straight shot? And didn't you go plump into the water, though?' He shrieked with laughter. Just then they fell over in a heap and began rolling down the hill. "'Let go!' yelled the bear. "'Let go yourself!' screamed the monkey. But neither of them let go, so they rolled faster and faster down the hill, and the last the twinkle saw them, they were bounding among the bushes at the very bottom of the big gulch. Chapter 6 Prince Nimble Good gracious, said Twinkle, looking around her. I'm as good as lost in this strange place, and I don't know in what direction to go to get home again. So she sat down on the grass and tried to think which way she had come and which way she ought to return in order to get across the gulch to the farmhouse. If the Rolling Stone was here, he might tell me, she said. But I'm all alone. Oh, no, you're not, piped a small, sweet voice. I'm here and I know much more than the Rolling Stone does. Twinkle looked this way and that very carefully in order to see who had spoken and at last she discovered a pretty grasshopper perched upon a long blade of grass nearby. "'Did I hear you speak?' she inquired. "'Yes,' replied the grasshopper. "'I'm Prince Nimble, 
the happiest hopper in Hoptown. Where's that? asked the child. Why, Hoptown is near the bottom of the gulch, in that thick patch of grass you see yonder. It's on your way home, so I'd be pleased to have you visit. But won't I step on some of you? she asked, worried. Not if you're careful, replied Prince Nimble. Grasshoppers don't often get stepped on. We're pretty active, you know. Well, all right, said Twinkle. I'd like to see a grasshopper village. Then follow me and I'll guide you, said Nimble. And at once he leapt from the blade of grass and landed at least six feet away. Twinkle got up and followed, keeping her eyes on the pretty prince, who leapt so fast that she had to trot to keep up with him. Nimble would wait on some clump of grass or a bit of rock until the girl came up, and then away he'd go again. How far is it? Twinkle asked him. About a mile and a half, was the answer. And we'll soon be there, for you are as good as a mile, and I'm good for the half mile. How do you figure that out? asked Twinkle. Why, I've always heard that a miss is as good as a mile, and you're a miss, aren't you? <laughs> Not yet. I'm only a little girl, but Papa will be sure to miss me if I don't get home to supper. Chapter 7 The Grasshoppers Hop Twinkle now began to fear she wouldn't get home to supper, for the sun started to sink into the big prairie, and in the golden glow it left behind, the girl beheld the most beautiful palaces and castles suspended in the air just above the hollow in which she stood. Splendid banners floated from the peaks and spires of these magnificent buildings, and all the windows seemed of silver, and all the roofs of gold. What city is that? she asked, standing still in amazement. That isn't any city, replied the grasshopper. They are only castles in the air, very pretty to look at, but out of everybody's reach. Come along, my little friend, we're almost at Hoptown. So Twinkle walked on, and before long Prince Nimble paused on the stem of a hollyhock and said, Now sit down carefully right where you are, and you'll be able to watch my people. It's the night of our regular hop. If you listen, you can hear the orchestra tuning up. She sat down as he bade her, and tried to listen, but only heard a low whirr and rattle like the noise of a beetle's wing. That's the drummer, said Prince Nimble. He's very clever indeed. Good gracious, it's night now, said Twinkle with a start. I ought to be home and in bed this minute. Oh, never mind, said the grasshopper. You can sleep any time, but this is our annual ball and it's a great privilege to witness it. Suddenly the grass all around them became brilliantly lit, as if from a thousand tiny electric lamps. Twinkle looked closely and saw that a vast number of fireflies had formed a circle around them and were illuminating the scene of the ball. In the centre of the circle were assembled hundreds of grasshoppers of all sizes. The small ones were of a delicate green colour and the middle-sized ones of a deeper green, while the biggest ones were of a yellowish-brown. But the members of the orchestra interested Twinkle more than anything else. They were seated upon the broad top of a big toadstool at one side and the musicians were all beetles and big bugs. A fat waterbug played a bass fiddle as big and fat as himself, and two pretty ladybugs played the violins. A scarab, brightly coloured with scarlet and black, tooted upon a large horn, and a sand beetle 
made the sound of a drum with its wings. Then there was a coleopto, making shrill sounds like a flute. Only, of course, Twinkle didn't know the names of these beetles, and thought they were all just bugs. When the orchestra began to play, the music was more pleasing than you might suppose. Anyway, the grasshoppers liked it, for they commenced at once to dance. The antics of the grasshoppers made Twinkle laugh more than once, for the way they danced was to hop around in a circle and jump over each other. Then a lady grasshopper and a gentleman grasshopper would take hold of hands and stand on their long rear legs and swing partners until it made the girl dizzy just to watch them. Sometimes two of them would leap at once and knock against each other in the air and then go tumbling to the ground where the other dancers tripped over them. She saw Prince Nimble dancing away with the others and his partner was a lovely green grasshopper with sparkling black eyes and wings like they were velvet. They didn't bump into as many of the others as some did, and Twinkle thought they danced very gracefully indeed. And now, while the merriment was at its height, and waiter grasshoppers were passing around refreshments that looked like grass seeds covered with thick molasses, a big cat suddenly jumped into the circle. All at once, the lights went out, for the fireflies fled in every direction. But in the darkness, Twinkle thought she could still hear the drone of the big bass fiddle and the flute-like trill of the ladybugs. The next thing the Twinkle knew, someone was shaking her shoulder. Wake up, dear, said her mother's voice. It's nearly supper time and Papa's waiting for you, and I see you haven't picked a single blueberry. Well, I picked them all right, said Twinkle, sitting up and rubbing her eyes and looking gravely at her empty tin pail. They were all in the pail a few minutes ago. Now I wonder whatever became of them. The End